Hey, and welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan Jones, and I'm joined as usual with Roy. Hello. Donovan, I, are you back? Is the real Donovan back? The real Donovan is back. Okay, I am good. back and louder and spazzier than ever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we get going, I, I, this last weekend um, was a big Trevor Hoffman weekend. Yes. And um, I was able to go to, I think, Friday's game, um, but I missed the unveiling of the statue. And I really wanted to just ask you, how was that? As a Padre fan, as a San Diegan, as just tell me about it. Well, it was the the, the cool part to me. I I try I kind of put myself in his shoes and try to think about what it's like. You know, coming up as a baseball player, your family, your older brothers play, your older brothers in pro ball and whatever. You become a minor leaguer and you kind of wash out a little bit, and then you get an opportunity and your career takes off. I mean, Trevor's an ordinary guy. I've had a chance to shake his hand and talk to him, and I'm. I, he's, people say great things about him, but at the same time, he's a very humble person. He doesn't like the attention. You saw that in his Hall of Fame speech. There was nothing about his accomplishments, what yeah. he did. It was all about the other people that helped him along and, and all of this. And so I think that this whole time, up until fr- Saturday, he was deflecting a lot of the attention intentionally. And then on Saturday, when, that, when the cover came off of that statue... And then he was standing there looking up at a nine-foot-tall version of himself that is going to stand there long after he's gone. I think it finally struck him, and he showed some real emotion. And you could tell that he was kind of, you know, at a loss for words, and he was wiping away some tears. Oh, you you Um, could see it right away. It's just like the the power of the moment and that kind of being the finality of the celebration of Trevor getting to the Hall of Fame is the Mm -hmm. unveiling of... Your statue, there you are, like you said, there you are looking at yourself. That's going to be their long past, like an indelible mark on our organization. And it all comes into one moment. And God, I just, I get kind of clumped a little bit you know, yeah. talking about it. And you see it and it shows it and it's it's genuine. Um, fantastic. It was really cool. And then, so that whole day, if there was one day to go to a Padres baseball game out of this whole season, that was it. Because you had the statue unveiling and there was a giveaway, which, yeah, that's cool, but unveil the statue they got the whole pregame ceremony and then the game itself was a fantastic game and it wound up winning it in a walk-off the yeah. bottom of the ninth Villanueva hit the liner down the line and and Padres walk it off and then after that there you know there's going to be the laser and fireworks show and here comes Trevor out of the dugout wearing full 98 uniform cleats and all cool I thought it was cool. When he came out, I was like, is he going to throw a pitch or something? But he came out and just kind of swung his glove around and got everybody hyped up. And they had a chair out there. And Tracy, his wife, sat there. And, yeah. and he sat there with her. And they just took in the show. And then afterwards, they, they I saw the video afterwards where they followed him into the dugout. And I'm sure he went off to kind of reflect on the day and what what the last... I mean, the entire whatever yeah. forty some years of his life has yeah. led up to this moment. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So it was a really cool day and a and a really good weekend. That is, yeah, that is really cool. You know, um, when I show people our our little uh, tag of the Friars on the Farm uh, podcast little uh, avatar, people go, oh, "I look just like you." I'm like, no, <laughs> it's, it's not me. It's the Friar from the Padres. Yeah, I thought the same thing when I first saw it, though. I, I know it's the Friar, but there is a resemblance. <laughs> I'm not that fat-faced. Anyways, we are here for uh, we are here for the minor league system, and boy, we have I mean, fresh. It, it's it happened on the way home from work. Um, the tweet came out. Was it Jeff Passon that that tweeted out? 
Um, after yesterday's, uh, the day before yesterday's, um, Mackenzie Gore goes on the DL again. This time it's not uh, a blister. This time it's a fingernail. I wonder if it's the same finger. I mean, you, when you're throwing a pitch, you're putting a lot of pressure on certain parts of the of your finger. Yeah. And I, 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 a friend of mine is a guitar player, amazing guitar player, and he takes immaculate care of his fingernails. And I know the pitchers are the same way, that their fingers are their livelihood. Right. And so if there's some kind of an issue that... Yep. Who knows? I, I, they shut him down a couple of times. I don't know what you do to try to address that kind of stuff. Well, you know, and I think, and I've said this before with the blister issue, he probably hasn't thrown this much ever in his life. Oh, no. And I think it's a lot more common than, than we are led to believe uh, mm-hmm. in other organizations. It just seems to be happening to our guy, and we happen to see, you know, we happen to be paying close attention to the minor leagues. Uh, someone of the, uh, you know, the caliber of Mackenzie Gore. Who you know? I watched that start and the velocities there. Um, he just didn't throw a lot of off-speed pitches, and uh, he got ripped. You know, and, and maybe that's part of it's because he had tenderness and he knew yeah. that he wasn't going to be able to snap them off. Yeah, the same. Ah, so that that just happened today, um, and then yesterday, a very aggressive move. I, it has. I mean, it's. Uh, we'll get to it in a minute, but. Uh, Ryan Weathers was brought up to, to Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Yes. Didn't even spend a full season in Arizona before he was jumped a level. Mm-hmm. You know, usually they start people off in the in the lowest rookie league, in a Tri-Cities or a rookie level league, and they put him right in Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. Incredibly aggressive. Let me give you an idea of how aggressive this was. Last year, Hunter Green, the number two overall pick, who came, he was a 100-mile-an-hour fastball-throwing high schooler, he started in rookie, and he didn't leave the Billing Mustangs all season. They kept him there all year, and he was a number two guy with incredible velocity. Yes. Um, so to, to bring Ryan Weathers up there for uh, to the Tin Caps, it, it's insane, you know. And you know you can also make an argument for it. it might even be a little, uh, you know, a little careless. Well, no, I, it's it's not a long term move. I mean, it's the end right. of the season. Right. So even if he's there for the rest of the year, how many starts is he going to get? Right. So give him a taste of what the, that higher level is like. Yeah, I mean, not not like he was dominating in rookie ball. He got roughed up a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, coming out of high school, they talk about the polish that he has, the understanding of how to work his repertoire, using locations, that he has good command and all this stuff. So on paper... I don't see why he wouldn't be one of these guys that's going to be a quick riser, even though he's fresh out of high school. He's not, he doesn't seem like a, a project. Usually high school guys, they've got the athleticism, the talent, right. but you need to rein in the mechanics. You need to work on their mental approach. There's so many things that need to be done where it sounds like he was a relatively finished package out of high school. So he shouldn't take that much seasoning to move up the levels. No, and, but, and you put that in the notes too, and I'm like, where did that come from in the notes? <laughs> and uh, did I put that in? I don't no, remember putting that. I saw people talking about it on Twitter, and because <laughs> I didn't watch the start, I saw some right. of the videos that Josh Purple Three M yeah. posted. Which again, thank you, Josh, for doing that. It's yeah. amazing. You Huge. and Tex Padre. I love the videos that Padre's Twitter has of our minor leaguers. It's amazing in this day and age that we can see what a single-A pitcher is doing 10 minutes after he did it. It's right up there. Right. But anyway, people were talking about what his, how composed he looked and how he was working fastball up and in and then a curveball and kind of trying to tunnel already. It's, it's an advanced approach that it seems to have. But it sound, at the same time, people were saying that his plant foot was inconsistent mm. and he was falling off to one side and then he'd stick his plant. It was... Um, 
and there was a there was a the there was a chat on Fangraphs today with Kylie McDaniel, and there was there was discussion about all of that. But anyway, so he's raw, but he's got some polish. And how do you handle somebody like that? You got you want to push him. Well, I thought I'd see what Mackenzie Gore did last year. He stayed in the Arizona League, but he only pitched thirty what, innings. Yeah, seven games. Yeah, because he pitched a full high school workload. So Ryan Weathers became the first Padre high school pitcher to reach full season ball in his draft year in his lifetime. And so wait, I there was a, somebody else did that, it, and I'm that, trying to remember who it was. I saw it come up on Twitter. I didn't know it of it. It was a long time. So you're saying that since David Weathers for the Padres for, for the, the Padres, for the Padres to get a high school draft pick to go straight into full season ball. So let's go give you a minute here. We'll go over his start. And I watched the first inning of that. I'm like, damn, damn, what McKenzie Gore? Who? Uh-huh. What? Um, you know, but then I went back to work, and then I come back and I see what happened. And uh, you know, the first the first two innings, it was one hit, no runs, and three strikeouts. So welcome to the show, kid. Or you know, welcome to full season ball. The third inning, he gave up one a one out single, and then rolled a double play to second, had an error. Then another ground in the third, error. So the defense let him down. And it sounds like he got a little pissed off after that, too. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, from those that saw it, some of them looked like he was visibly upset. There was a balk call. That's always going to throw a pitcher off. Yeah. So maybe that, you know, the defense rounds him a little bit. It's nerves of your first. I mean, the kid's 18 years old. Yeah. Um, poised as you are, pedigree as you have, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, it's still, you have to do the job. So maybe this is a bit of a wake-up call for him. Yeah. And I, I have no problem with it. And we don't know if he's going to be up for the rest of the season or just for a couple of starts. Right. The reason he got called up was because Osvaldo Hernandez hit the seven-day DL. Yeah. He's the ERA leader in the Midwest yeah. League, and yet then here he goes going down with shoulder inflammation. But if he only is going to miss a start or two, then maybe David Weathers is just going to make a couple turns in the rotation and then go back to Arizona. Right, and that's fine. And even with Osvaldo, it's getting late in the season. These kids haven't pitched that much, and, and so you're going to get – the shoulder inflammation. You're going to get fatigued. Mm-hmm. Hell, Chris Paddock tonight gave up three. I saw a walk. I, you know, I've never seen a full solar Whoa. eclipse, but I've seen a Chris Paddock walk. Wow. And he gave up three runs in, the I think, the first or second inning. Holy cow. Um, and that stuff is going to happen this time of the year with these guys that haven't pitched so long. It, You know, you're going to get fatigue. You're going to get control issues. And that's okay. What they've done, what Osvaldo's done, what Paddock has done, you could end the season now and give them the rest, you know, it's just, it's all clean mm-hmm. from what they're doing. Um, so I'm plenty fine with with uh, with a start. And, and good on Ryan Weathers for getting, a, you know, rising to the occasion and doing so well. But moving on, we, we, we got to move on. We got a lot to cover here. We do. We do. Um, so just real quick, some of the, and some of this information is a little bit older, but it was just released uh, the, this past week. The Midwest League announced its postseason awards Friday, and Osvaldo Hernandez was chosen as the left-handed starting pitcher of the year. Yes. And Travis Radke, uh, left-handed reliever of the year. And Travis Radke got called up to Double A, I believe. He after after this, he after, was promoted. After this, and I believe he's now in Triple A. Oh, did he go up to El Paso? Yeah, and I think I Travis is like all over. He's the minor league. I mean, I thought I saw somewhere on a tweet somewhere that he's pitching somewhere like Elsinore, but you know he made the Double A. Couple couple innings did real well. Went up to went up to El Paso, and then I could swear I saw him down in Cali League. But anyway, you know what? You're right. Yeah, he's with the Storm. Yeah, and so I thought it interesting. So what if a couple of guys got claimed on waivers? I thought this may have been a pre- preemptive move. Ah. What if you had a reliever or two that got claimed on waivers, and you had an open roster spot? You needed somebody to come down and fill in. It reminded me of last year after the Royals trade when Jose Ruiz and um. Uh, what's his name? Kyle Lloyd. 
got called up. And they were both in Lake Elsinore. Ruiz was already on the roster, but Kyle Lloyd was not. And I think that it was a, a matter of convenience that he was just an hour and a half up the 15, so you can call him up and come on down. It's like today, the Padres, uh, Will Myers took a ground ball to the face. He's yeah. got a laceration. And then apparently uh, Villanueva's hand is swollen from taking a grounder yesterday. So both of those guys are scratched. So Ty France, Ty France, Ty France, Ty France. Yeah, really. So if somebody like that was on a quick call and they really needed him, right. then they could bring him up. But right, right. now, they, that's not, they're on the road. It doesn't work like that. But I, I like that. That's my conspiracy theory brain working because <laughs> Travis Radke, he's 25. Yeah. He's, I've heard a couple, I've listened to a couple of interviews with him. He's a very smart pitcher. He watches what the, what the batters are doing. He looks at them on the on-deck circle, kind of tries to identify the, the holes in their swing based on their mechanics, watches what they do at one pitch and turns that over into how he's going to approach them for the rest of the at-bat. He's a very smart guy. He's been very effective this year. So I could see him being somebody that you could call up in a pinch. If you need somebody to come in right. and be your mop-up guy or something, he'd and be a good candidate for just it. Just a roster spot, just to have 25 guys on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because in the minor leagues, folks, players play to their strengths. Pitchers <laughs> pitch to their strengths. When you get to the major leagues, they pitch to the batter's week. They pitch to the defense's week. You know, mm-hmm. they hit to the defense's week. They, it totally switches around. From in the minors, you're like showcasing every outing. You're like, this is what I got. This is how I can do it. I can place this. Uh, in the majors, it's like, okay, here comes up. Here comes Roy. I know he has a spot with a high inside fastball. Let's see if we can get a buy mm-hmm. Um, And you pitch to the... So him already thinking like a major leaguer in the minor leagues um, is, is a huge step. And I, I would like to hear that from more players. Uh, talk about that. It takes a long time for a player to learn that stuff and integrate yeah. that into their approach. Okay, well, so moving on this week, um, also Baseball America. Okay, so Baseball America had their survey, and they asked all the managers uh, with some input from the coaches to break down the best players in all 10 full-season minor leagues in a variety of, of categories, and they had the best tool survey of July. I love these. These are always fun. These are sweet. I found this earlier this week. In the Pacific Coast, uh, Luis Urias got the best defensive second baseman. In the Texas League, we had several players. Fernando Tatis got best batting prospect, hitting tool, infield arm, and most exciting player. So did he pretty much take all of the... He swept the board, right? (laughs) He took the the Oscar for best actor, best director, and best screenplay. Holy cow. Um, What do you want to hear from him? Well, yeah. What do you want? He is our Lord and Savior. Yes. Hitting... Defense. Uh, Austin Allen had best power. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Naylor, best strike zone adjustment. And I he, love that. You know, and, and that's kind of what we, that's kind of the book on these guys. Like, we know Josh Naylor, he can manage the strike zone really well. Austin Allen's had some power this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Logan Allen. Logan Allen's got best control. So those two things right there, strike zone judgment and control, those are things that when you look at the pitchers on the, the players on the major league roster, there are issues with both of those topics at times. Yeah. So knowing that we have minor leaguers that already have those traits as assets, it's inspiring. It is very inspiring. Um, in the California League, and once again, this is going to show how kind of old these are. In the California League, Buddy Reed uh, was the fastest base runner and best defensive outfielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chris Paddock got best changeup and best control. Yeah, these, the, so the survey was done in July. Yeah. And this was probably either before or shortly after a lot of these players got promoted. You know, I, if you notice, right after we talked to Kyle Glazer, right after we had the interview with Kyle Glazer, like that week, everyone moved up. Yeah. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> 
And real quick, I, that, that puts the hot talent lava to sleep. Dude, I'm so sorry. You know, <laughs> I, and I thought I was trying to be, you know, at least be calm and, and talk for the whole, well, you know, episode last last episode. Uh, then I listened to it, and and Roy had sent the, you know, sent the file to me, and it says Donovan's creepy voice in the telling, and and I listened to it, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm sociopath. It reminded me of like Masterpiece Theater. Welcome yeah. to PBS Masterpiece Theater. Well, with the like they, it's like your they NPR pop. voice. It is. It's a very bad <laughs> NPR voice. Uh, moving on real quickly. Uh, in the, so into the Midwest League, Nick Margavicious, best control. Gabriel Arias, best infield arm, which we'll talk about him a little bit more later. Um, and Jason Rosario got best defensive outfield. So Margavicious moved up to Lake Elsinore yeah. after this. Yep. Gabriel Arias and Jason Rosario are two of the youngest players in the Midwest League. Yeah. They're both, I think they're both 18. So they're raw. And these these traits, infield arm and defensive outfielder, those are things that, that kids with natural athletic ability, yeah. that comes naturally. Things like strike zone judgment and even power right. comes later for these guys. Right. Develop. You got to develop that stuff. That's the God-given talent these kids were given, and that's you know, and that's for the manager of um, of other teams. So that's that's great. It's kind of like the you know the actors guild or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm on the actor thing, but you know when when peers are the managers of your if your league are going like, yeah, that guy, mm-hmm. that guy's really there. Well, and you see that. So when you go to a major league game, you don't necessarily get that experience where you look at the field and there's one guy and you go, that guy is the best guy on the field. Right. Sometimes there's that superstar, but usually you got a whole bunch of really good athletes out there. You go down to a minor league game and there's going to be one or two players on each side that stand out from the rest, head and shoulders. Yeah. So while we're on the, the rankings part, um, Jim Bowden of The Athletic came out with his rankings of, the, of all 30 teams and naturally the Padres took the number one spot. Um, I think they were one of four teams to get a grade of A, not an A minus, but a straight A, along with the Blue Jays, the Rays, Rays and the Braves. Um, he listed 14 prospects in the Padres system. Uh, the, the Minnesota Twins, he listed 15, but most of the other teams were getting like six, seven, eight, nine players listed. So this reminds me of the fan graphs where he listed like 43 guys and most other teams he's listed in their top 15, 20 prospects. Yeah. So he says, the Padres have the best farm system in baseball. They have the best overall quality and they have more depth than any other team from the top to the bottom of their um, And he talks about that they've been drafting well, that they've been spending more money on the international market. Uh, but I like the paragraph he says down at the bottom. The Padres' ownership deserves credit for allowing Preller and his baseball operations staff to carry out their blueprint, despite all the losing you have to endure at the major league level. And boy, don't we know about that this year. Yeah. For this kind of plan to work. Then you have to credit Preller for not wavering and staying true to his commitment to building the Padres from the ground up. And we're in the middle of a tough season. Padres yeah. are on track to as many as 100 games. And people are calling for Andy Green to be fired and calling for these big made, make <laughs> big moves, bring in free agents and all this. And there's a process. You have to keep the faith. You yeah. have to trust the process. These phrases yeah. that we keep repeating that I kind of feel like we're drinking Kool-Aid on some level. But at the same time, you watch the development of these players coming up through the minors and it's, it's, it's working it's working so far. Yeah. The next step yeah. is to take some of these players, bring them up to the major league roster, and turn them into professional major leaguers. But there's a lot of really good stuff here. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it's funny. I, I don't know where I read it. I don't know where I saw it. But like the Padres fans know more about their minor league system. Like this weekend at the Kemp Faith Ice Cream Social, when when Lee Hassel Ham- Hamilton said Morahan 
Moranjo, like I almost wanted to punch him. Just uh-huh. like, are you? You don't know how to say his name, but you think he's good. How mm-hmm. do you not? How do you not? Like everyone, the collective, like groan because he just butchered Moranjo's name. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to that the other yesterday, and I I was listening to Hacksaw go on and on, and I don't mean to rip him. He's a professional no. media, and he's. He's done, he's had an amazing career. Right. But when he's talked about Logan Allen, Angela asked, who's your favorite minor leaguer in the system? And he basically had to tell the whole story about Logan Allen, or he's telling the story about how the Padres are developing this. And I'm sitting there thinking, everybody in this room right now, there were probably, what, 30 or 40 people there. Everybody there was is very familiar with at least the upper level of, the upper crust of the good prospects in the, in the Padres system. Yeah. You could take, you could go out there and ask, and I'm sure half of the people in there knew how the Padres got Logan Allen, yeah, and and a bunch of other. So he didn't have to tell the whole backstory. He's used to talking on the radio to your casual Joe fan, right? That right. just, you know, Unformed. when is the second coming of Tony Gwynn gonna come on, come right. along? Well, there is no second coming of Tony Gwynn. That's like saying when's Ted Williams gonna walk through that door. Yeah. Anyway, rant over. Um, I found I you said something about strike zone discipline, and it made me think. So, do you remember Nate Fryman? He was a minor leaguer. He played. For, he was in the Padres minor league system briefly. First baseman. He played for the Tigers and the A's for a while. And he's been a guest writer on Fangraphs, and he's posted three or four articles on there. And they're incredibly well researched articles. And one of them, he was comparing the strike zones of the different levels of how does the strike zone evolve as you go from rookie ball, single A, double A, triple A to the major leagues. And he he was pulling in all, he had access to StatCast data because there's all kinds of minor league StatCast data that the teams don't distribute. It's not right. published anywhere. This right. is inside knowledge that's right. only shared among the teams. And he has connections. So he was able to get a certain sample of this data and compare across all these levels. And so he was showing how the zone gets tighter and tighter as you go up the minors and discussing how that poses challenges to hitters that you're in you're in Lake Elsinore and you've got a strike zone that's this big yeah. and so then you kind of calibrate yourself to I've got to swing at that pitch that's a ball off the outside of the plate right. a half a ball in I got to swing at that you get up to that next level now that ball is a that strike is a ball and you need to learn how to lay off that right so the chat how does how does that affect a hitter as they go up? Also, how does that affect a pitcher? That I can live off the edge of the plate and get the calls. Now you come up, and now it looks like you have no control because a lot of those... That used to be a ball, strike. That used to be a strike. Where I come ball. from, that's a strike. Yeah. Anyway, I want you to look that up because it was a really interesting article. Oh, that, that sounds so interesting. You know, and it's funny because um, a buddy of mine in my... Uh, uh, the adult league... Um, is now his second year as a minor league umpire. Oh. Last year he spent all year at, at the Arizona League at the Complex Ball doing his first year. And I asked him about that. He's like, they have us kind of move from rookie. Now he's up in the Northwest League, ironically enough, and he's he's umpired several of the uh, Tri-City games. Mm-hmm. Um, he says they move them up with kind of with the players, like every year he'll move up or come down. And as their strike zone evolves, as their umpiring evolves with the players. So that makes sense that you, you know, the strike zone you're going to get at the complex is probably be a little more liberal um, than you're going to get double A. Mm-hmm. And you come up to the major league level, not only do you have the absolute best of the best, but you also have the best of the best of the umpires. That, like, that, damn, like you see it today with Logan, uh, uh, with Jacob Nix. I don't know, with Jacob Nix, what probably was a ball, 
you know, back when he was, or a strike when he was throwing in triple A is now a ball. Mm-hmm. You know, and now he has to go back into the plate and you're going to get hit. Um, very interesting. I'd love to hear that. I'd love to read it. Um, I'll make time to do that. We're just chatting away here. And I, and I tell you, we're not even off. The, we're, we're not. We're close to the end, but we're off almost uh, done with batting leadoff. The end. We're I didn't okay. announce that we were batting leadoff. Yeah. But this last week. Okay, so moving on. This last week, uh, Baseball America has our weekly hot sheet. Yes. And the week before last, uh, Luis Patino was on there. And Luis Patino was number two. Um, and here's why he's here. He has 1.74 ERA and 10 innings pitched, 11 hits, 3 runs, 2 earned, 17 strikeouts, 3 base on balls, and gave up no HRs. 17 strikeouts to 3 walks. I love that ratio. Yeah, in 10 innings. Uh, Patino was squarely in the conversation for biggest breakout of the season. The Colombian right-hander has clobbered the competition in the Midwest with midway, mid-May, and has racked up a ratio of 10.4 strikeouts per 9 innings. He's allowed more than 2 earned runs twice in 15 starts. And has allowed just one home run all season. That long ball also stands as the only one he's allowed in his two professional. If you watch his starts, and we I have more down here about talking with him, it's just like, it could be the real deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see he's different than Michelle Baez last year was just two pitch pitcher at best, really dominated with the fastball because he's a giant human being throwing really hard. But then you had the small kid. Throwing really hard, but also consistently with the with the changeup, with the curveball, just the the slider, just making kids look. So there might be something really special, and I know it's a ball. And when he comes up next year in the Cali League, and it's a whole different picture, you know that you can take this in like elite crow. Well, but Baez made the jump from rookie ball to to uh, Lake Elsinore. He was in Fort Wayne yeah, last he was year. Fort Wayne last that's year. right. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so that was, you know, that's so he made it. So mm-hmm. not only on our radar as Padre fans um, in the local media and in the organization, but he's now starting to get a lot more nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, so this last week, this last week, um, Luis Udias, who once again, once we get down to the affiliates here pretty quick, um, had just, he's tearing the ball off. He's just, <laughs> he's, he's been ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now, this is, um, you know, it's one of those things where you, beginning of the season, just hitting 180, second month of the season, hitting 230, and you really starting to worry, you know, and I, at least I was. And we, we weren't showing it on the pod, we were showing it on Twitter, but kind of under my breath, going, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it's his time to, like, struggle, maybe he isn't what he's supposed to be, but has absolutely tore it up. Um, so this last, he was number one on their top ten, uh, why he's here, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking at these numbers are ridiculous, folks. 593, 625, 1000 is his slash line. 16 for 27. Over the last week, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11 runs, 5 doubles, 3 triples, 5 RBIs, 2 walks. That That's bad. Well, yeah, the the lack of walks. But when you're hitting six hundred, yeah. John Connor said this. I'm sorry, John Connor said this today on uh, on the Derek Smith show. He's like, yeah, Luis Urias, you know, the walks aren't there. But when you're hitting so much, he's starting to. They're what he said is they're allowing him to who he is early in the season. He's he thinks, which makes sense to me. Work the count, quote. <laughs> uh-huh. Work in the count. Um, work the count. You know, try to work in the walks. Uh, try to be something that you normally are, but maybe you're not. And 
it showed he didn't have you know trying to work the counts of strikeups went mm-hmm. you know excuse me went up and the walks went um and the average goes down they just okay let the dog you know let the dogs release the hound well and I find an interesting thing here and I hadn't read this anywhere else but under the where the scoop that they publish here where it says. Urias has battled, as, battled his leg kick all year, but he recently made the adjustment to get it moving in the direction of the pitcher instead of the first base dugout. I found that interesting because, yeah, he's got the leg kick. Apparently, he used to not have such a, a pronounced kick, especially with two strikes, but whatever. If if he made a mechanical adjustment for that, and now he's putting himself in a better, better position to see the ball and to make solid contact, maybe that's the adjustment that he needed to make rather than just mm. ditching the kick altogether. Mm. But... Whatever, if there's a mechanical tweak that has already all of a sudden unlocked this beast mode that he found, holy cow. <laughs> so now, do you call him up or do you leave him down there for the playoff run? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, you know, to go back to what John Connor said and it made so much sense. A, there's no reason. There's no reason to bring him up. Yes. To, to, to appease the Padre fans? No. You want to keep him down there, A, to... They're the only team going to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You want him to get that playoff experience. At me on Twitter all you want. <laughs> R- really, you want him to get that experience. Also, you know, he, he talked about, and which makes perfect sense to me, I didn't think about this, but you're taking their big money take. You know, you're taking you're taking their rising star from the El Paso Chihuahuas. Yes. And are you going to do that? You know, the argument there as well, the minor league team feeds the major league team. But when it comes to a partnership with an organization, partnership with your minor league affiliates, you know, there's a need for him down there. There's value with having him play in playoff baseball, even in AAA, even against 4A pitching, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's no need to bring him up for that. So I thought that was really interesting that he had said that, you know, it was about keeping him down in AAA to be with the with playoffs. But more than anything, kind of like, you know, to, to let El Paso have him. Because as soon as he's gone, you know... Yeah, and you uh, figure Mejia too. Yeah, both both those guys. And, and so I I think there's nothing wrong with bringing him up at the end of the playoffs or whatever, and let him get his cup of coffee just like Renfro did last. You know, and those guys that that went back in 2006. Um, now that's the other side of your argument, though, is that Renfro hedges. Aswahe and Margot, they all won the PCL championship that year, and they crushed it. And that was also with Jankowski and some other players that season. Um, and then, so then, okay, yeah, you're going to bring these guys all up together. They're going to have this winning culture, this, 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 you know, there's gel between them and all Chemistry. that. Chemistry. Yeah. And then they come up and they struggle for two straight seasons at the major league level. And they, did that really do anything? So that's, I'm just, that's the devil's no. advocate right, argument. Right, right, I no. like the idea of letting these guys, and I'm, I'm certain that if Tatis hadn't gotten hurt, he'd be right there with them. Yeah. That some some move yeah. would have happened, and you'd see Tatis and Urias in the middle, and they'd be having so much fun going up through through the playoffs. Yeah, and that's uh, and, and and I can see the other. I can see both sides. Like I want to help. I want him up. Yeah. But is it? Do we need him up? No. Um. Is he going to see four A pitching? You know, the last week of the season, the last two. Absolutely, he's going to see. He's not going to see the top twenty five of the season, or even mid season pitching. There's with all the other call ups in the all the other teams around the league. Yeah. The other team's pitching staffs are going to be depleted. Exactly. And so the Padres, so he's not going to be seeing 4A pitchers. Those guys are going to be on the major league rosters now. Right. After September 1 for some of these teams that need the help. 
They do, but once again, he's not going to see the, you know, you're not going to see the, the bullpen guys. You're not going to see, you're going to see the spot start guys. You see that, the other AAA talent come up, is all I'm saying. It's going to water down, I think, the, um, think the comp- not competition, but, you know, the players. Mm-hmm. Kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. Oh, man, but you just put me on a bad train of thoughts. Oh, um, train shoot. So when the, when the, <laughs> when September roster expansion comes, we're not going to see, we're not going to see those guys right away, but who do you think we're actually going to see? Makita, Mitchell, um, um Javi Guerra. Who, who's it? Yeah, maybe Javi Guerra. Um, freaking Carter Caps. Ugh, that is not. That's not it. That's not inspiring. <laughs> it's not. You know, it, it, you know, maybe maybe we'll see Javi Guerra. Maybe you know, and get. He started hitting. He is, and I, I have mean, it down here in my nose. He's, he's in Triple A. It's not you know, but he's doing okay. We might as well skip ahead to that. Well, here, okay. Let me read the rest of the Baseball America hot sheet. No, and then we can go ahead and get to your uh, yeah. get to the rundowns here. Um, so Urias reeled off five consecutive multi-hit games, including four three-hit games. Raised his se- raised his season batting average from 270 to 290 in a span of six games. That's it. the The statistical basis behind that batting average is huge. It's a large yeah. sample at this point in the season. So to raise your batting average twenty points in six games is just stupid. He finished the week off in grand style, belting the game tying RBI triple in the ninth, and then scoring the winning run on Sunday. Um, and then your note here: Andy was put in the MLB Pipeline Team of the Week. The thing I've loved about all these videos that I've been seeing the people post on Twitter: he keeps taking the extra base. It seems like I've seen that a half dozen times this week, yeah. where he hits a liner into the gap. It's a single. You look up there, and he and he said this in an interview yeah. that he could see that the the runner wasn't going after it hard, and so he was digging in right out of the box, and he was thinking double as soon as he hit it. I love the instincts. Oh, and he did the same thing later on in the game. He hit a double, turned it into a triple because he didn't let up. Yes. And you know, I put in my notes and I and I deleted. We're just trying to get some, trying to cut down the you know editing. Um, it's like he's just yelling at the team going, what do I need to do to make it? You know, just mm-hmm. like turning singles into doubles, doubles into triples. Uh, that's what you want out of your minor leaguers. Yeah. You know, and they're having a blast down there. And he is having a blast down there. And they're in the playoffs. And uh, that's fantastic. So we get into. I, I want these kids to come up with their heads on fire. Yeah. And go ahead and make the dumb mistakes of trying to take that extra base and learn how to dial it back a notch rather than the other way around where you need to try to teach somebody how to be more aggressive. That's that's hard to do is to teach somebody how to have the instinct to see the opportunity and go for it. Because I was always that kid in Little League that I would see something and then uh, uh, do I go? And then by the time that thought process happened, it's already too late. Where the, the kids that just never quit and always force the defense to make the play, and it's, I, I was always envious of those guys because I just never had the balls to do it. But watching this where he laces a liner into the gap and he's burning out of the box, that's I love it. So love let's it. get on to the affiliates and we'll start in El Paso. Yes. But before I start there, Luis Udias played a couple games in third base. Yeah. And I heard John Conniff bring up the name Ken Caminiti. <laughs> this play that Udias played, like the, I, I watched that play. The ball was hit deep. In the in, in past third base, caught it. You know, he took that backhand to, to his right. Yeah, took the backhand, turned around, and fired across the diamond. Oh my God, Caminiti esque. Oh. And, and you think, you know, say what you want for like a, a, a Will Myers that came up and you know play had all those balls into him at third base. It's like right off the bat, second game, first game, he's making those plays. Mm. Um, so it was fantastic. So this last Sunday, um, 
Luis Urias extended his hit streak to nine games with a ninth inning triple. Um, This is last Sunday. Uh, Urias is hitting 500, 18 for 36 over his last 10 games, has an on-base percentage of 400, and has 42 extra base hits, which is a career high. So say what you want with the you know the season he was having before, he's still career high in, in extra base hits. Uh, shortstop Javier Guerra connected for his 12th homer. Uh, he's three away from his career high. Since July 2nd, the shortstop is hitting a solid 279, 340, 488, with uh, good for a WRC plus of 114. In that span, Guerra is still striking out at 30% of his at bat. Yeah, so I've been trying to watch him. And when the stats look good on that triple slash, you look over at his BABIP on his batting average on balls in play, and he's been getting incredibly lucky. He, yeah, he's making a ton of contact, and he's making hard contact, but he's still striking out so much. Mm. If you're striking out 30% of the time in AAA, what's going to happen at the major league level? They're gonna... Yeah. Well, they say, I heard somewhere, if, if he can hit 250, if he can, he can be a Galvis type player, like a defense first player. Well, yeah, but what did Austin Hedges hit his last year in trip? He hit like 345. <laughs> he did. He did. He hit well. It seems like at some point, prospects figure out AAA, and it just goes next level for a lot of these guys. And, and, and then you get up to the major leagues, and it's another enormous... Um, learning curve. Yeah. Same for Hunter Renfro. He hit well over three his last year in AAA. Demolished it. And then he struggled for a year and a half. And now we're finally starting to see signs he's turning a corner, but he's never going to be a three-yard hitter. If he hits 250, then that's that's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to see a little more than 250 out of Renfro. But, um, and, and we and we have been this past month. So uh, Saturday, Ben, da- ben Davey uh, ben from Matt Friars is in El Paso, and um, he was reporting. Uh, Luis, uh, this last Saturday, Luis Urias was a homer shy of from the cycle. Reached base all four times to the plate. Francisco Mejia went two for four with his third home run. I hear that home run was a mammoth bomb, bomb too. Monster bomb. He, he's, he, I was listening to the 5-5. Five five. He was on the 5-5, five five and he said that it was one of these, um, or the 5.5 five podcasts. Okay. Shout out to those guys. He said that it was one of those where you... It, it's so high that you don't think it's going to go, and then right. it just kept carrying, and the next thing you know, it was like 50 feet past the fence. <laughs> he's not big, but he's strong. He's got yeah. such fast hands. Yeah. I was trying to think of a, a city in Midland. He hit it in Midland, Texas. I, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> um, and Ty France went two before. Ty France had a real week last week as well. Ty France is doing well in AAA. Yeah. He, he's doing really well. And another person who was doing well um, is Kyle Quantrill. Was he, able to, he was able to, you know, he had some command issues. Uh, he gave up three runs in five innings, walking one and striking out three, but all three runs came off deep. Uh, his curveball is still inconsistent, although when it's on, the movement is there. Quantrill's problem is still the ability to throw it for a strike when he's two, which is a lot, it allows him the fastball. It sounds like he'll throw a curveball and it winds up spinning and hanging. And the same thing with the slider, that it'll 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 just be a cement mixer up there and it won't. It won't take the dive. It won't fall off the table. It yeah. won't bend. So, and those are things that people that are coming back from Tommy John have the hardest time with is consistent shape to the breaking ball, consistent location of the fastball. Those are the things that take the longest to come back when you're rehabbing. They say that the stuff is there. You watch him in small doses and he looks mm-hmm. like a front end yeah. starter. Yeah. It's just a matter of being able to repeat it. So give him another. Absolutely. You'd say give him another year, right? Yeah. Just give him the whole year there. Let him start there and, and, and go from there. Yeah, and as soon as he turns that corner, call him on up. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him middle of next year, maybe. It would, it would be it would be good if he developed and progressed. He should. Uh, then last Friday, 
Moving on, Logan Allen needed 100 pitches to get through five innings and gave up two runs. He was mostly 90 to 92 on the day, reaching a 93 twice. And his curveball looks along with his plus change in the mid 80s. Well, 90 to 92 is about where he sits. He doesn't. He doesn't have the high 90s stuff. Right. He's low 90s with excellent location. And that's what he's going to need. That excellent location. If he turns into a you know, and we love Logan Allen, but if he turns into the, uh, come up and Joey Lucchese with that delivery, you know, they're going to hit the ball. So he, be yeah, able, yeah. he should be able to mix it up pretty well. Joey, Joey's all over the place. I mean, when I watch him in his starts, even I, I was there on his last really good start, mm-hmm. and still the location was all over the place. He was just getting weak contact. But Logan Allen has multiple developed pitches. He's... His repertoire is more polished than what, what Joey has right now. And Joey has two pitches. Yeah. He just goes up there and throws that churve, and it drops whichever direction it's going to drop. <laughs> sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low, and it's just enough to keep people off balance. Where Logan Allen, he can work in and out, up and down, multiple pitches, off speeds. He's got the full the full package. It's just a matter of letting him mature because he's 21. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's another guy who should spend most, obviously, the rest of the season here. It'll be good to see what the playoffs look like for the for the El Paso Chihuahuas. Um, but I'm already looking forward to spring training next year. I, God, it's going to be such a fun spring training. Ah, oh, I know, and I think well, we, we should be able to go. Hey, maybe we'll go together. I would. Lo- let's do it. Okay. We've already talked to a few other people. Help. Maybe we'll wind up renting a house with a whole bunch of bedrooms. That'd be that'd be fun. That sounds that sounds fantastic. All right, folks, you're here to hear first. The Podways Twitter Clubhouse. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> With your designated driver, Lydia Donovan. Hey, even better. Uh, so let's move on to the missions. Um, last Sunday, catcher Austin Allen connected for his 22nd dinger of the year. Allen has faded a bit over the past two months, hitting just 250 since July 1st. It's a long season. It is a long season. That's a lot of squats. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what I was saying at the beginning of the episode is you're going to see some of that. You're going to see some people getting fatigued, you know, primarily a lot of the pitching, but like that's a long season for a catcher. Oh, yeah. So, um, And he's been behind the plate. A lot. They're really pressing him to get the defense to catch yeah. up to the bat. Yeah. And he's doing a good job of it. Doing a fantastic job. Right-handed pitcher uh, Lake Bakker allowed just two runs in six innings, pitching around five walks. He's had a tough season in double-A. Well, he just got called up mid-season. Yeah. So he's a, when you see a guy move up, you expect him to struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big Lake Bakker fan, and uh, he should be there next year. Hopefully, get, you know, get a little more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And let's move on to last Saturday. Trust the process. And trust the... Uh, Emmanuel Ramirez had one of his best starts of the season. Seven innings pitched, seven hits, four runs, two earned, one base on balls, but with 8K. He's been... He's pitched Tri-Cities. He's pitched Fort Wayne, Mike Elsinore. Now he's in rehabbing a lot of the... You know, the Tri-City stuff was mm-hmm. rehabbing, and, and I think, you know, the uh, Fort Wayne was... Was more about just getting more innings in. Well, and his call up to the missions was to take the spot of somebody who got hurt. Yes. But he's he's doing great. <laughs> and who has Emmanuel Ramirez on any list somewhere? No. Nobody. Um, Michael Geddes hit his 14th home run. Michael Geddes, I'm hearing his name when people are talking about this roster, the 40-man, the Rule 5 and all this. The, people are saying he might be somebody who gets left exposed. I, I hope not, but who knows? And he's... Well, you know, they didn't, you know, they left, they left for Mil Reyes exposed last year. Well, but that's because of his wrist. Okay. He broke it. He broke his hamate bone in the Arizona Fall League. He'd gone under surgery in November. And usually that's something that takes several months to come back. And the power is slow to come back. But I talked to him in spring training. And I said something about that. And he goes, I heal, I heal fast. <laughs> <laughs> for a big man, he does heal fast. Oh, man. And the power is, oh, my God. Oh, well, and that's, so could I, you know, Michael Gettys is, is one of those enigma players that 
they're, it's there. The tools are the all tools there. Are there. Sometimes he looks like a t- full five five tool guy. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know what? That's what that's it's all right. So in that same Saturday start, Jason Jester and Andre, Andres Munoz recorded five of the final six outs by strikeout. Jason Jester, I haven't heard his name a whole lot this year. No, he's a good, he's a bullpen guy. Yeah, and a couple years ago, I was I had my eye on him. I thought he was going to pop up. You know, kind of like with Phil Maton. Yeah, he might have. He might have. Could he have been injuries? Or he just been bouncing around a little Maybe. bit. Maybe I haven't heard his name a whole lot. But Andres Munoz, he was. They slowed him down at the beginning of the season with concerns about his delivery and the health of his elbow. Yeah. But he's had a great year. Yeah, 15 punch outs and 15 innings for uh, for Double A. Uh, and the Texas League hitters are only hitting 176 against him. Mm. Although walks are a problem, he's still. I mean, he throws BB. Super young. But he's, he's walking along. Um, and that's okay because he's super young for being in double A. Well, and he's throwing 102. Right. <laughs> but as I saw in the Cardinals, uh, was it the Cardinals-Dodger game? Uh-huh. 103 gets hit in the gap. It does, in the majors, in yeah. In the majors. Um, but that's that's fine. For, but great, good for Jason Jester. Keep an eye on him. The good point of maybe bringing him up in the triple A, being a bullpen guy. I like how our minor leagues have just I mean, every. But... The guys that we brought up to the major league, uh, and then we still have down there. There's just our bullpen. We no longer have to like build a bullpen out of a, the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. We can bring these guys up from our minor league, and as it shows, we have one of the better bullpens right now with Stock, with Mayton, with uh, Trey. Um, just fire throwing, fire breathing well, guys. And when you watch these teams that are successful into the postseason, they've got that depth to carry them through the season. You get a couple of guys that are hurt. Here comes pitchers you've never heard of that are dominant in the late innings. So I, the waiver wire. I'm I'm so sorry, tired of like the Paul Clemens. I mean, <laughs> pulling. Uh, what was the What was the other guy? And you know, picking up pieces off the scrap heap. I understand. You pick somebody up. You rehab them. You teach them. You know, work something out in their mechanics. You turn some value around. That's worked great. Brad Hand and Ryan Bookter and these guys. But at some, this the page is going to turn, yeah. and that development yeah. is going to come from within. We're yeah. not going to be pulling guys off the Rule Five draft and off other teams' scrap heaps to build our roster. Yeah, it's going to come from within. Yoda, our pitching coach. Oh, Darren Balsley. Balsley, Yoda yes. of the pitching coaches, <laughs> bringing up the you know taking these broken Jedi's <laughs> off a of waiver wire and turning them into these studs. Learn the sinker, you will. Yeah. Trust <laughs> your stuff. You. Um, moving on to the storm. Hey. East Village Times had a really solid interview with Eddie Rodriguez, and um, I got a follow from him. I'm pretty sure I got a follow from him this past week. Um, his Twitter handle is, is a different handle than his name, um, and I think it's an organization that he's uh, either his organization or I can't remember. Is it, it. the Puerto Rico Ac- Academy? Yes, I think it's something okay. to that effect. Yeah, he's helped. He's been a part of that for like 20 years now. And he, you know, obviously coached for the World Baseball Classic, but I got a follow from him, and, uh, you know, I was... All bashful, almost starstruck with him following me. I'm like, I got a podcast. And I, I love the storm and derp, derp, you know. And uh, <laughs> give a listen if you do. I don't know. Um, anyways, EBT had a really good interview, and I want to just preview it here because he had some solid content. Um, here's the question: As far as you, how do you think Adrian Morahone is feeling at? The, I know the injuries have probably been tough. So where do you, where do you and the rest of the coaching staff feel like he's at right now? Answer: He's in a good place. He knows that everything has been done. You know, it's just making sure everything's okay. You know, it's not a serious injury at all, and it's something pitchers get all the time. He'll head back to Arizona and get some rehab there, and from what I hear, he looks to be throwing a little instructional 
then shut him down. But you know, he had a great year. There's nothing I'm too worried about. He's got a smile on his face knowing that after all the results, everything's... He understands what he has to do when he's throwing, and he gets and he's, and he gets older. I mean, mechanics are going to be quite a big part, and he knows that. I think everyone is just happy that it's not serious on Morahones. And- so it's a triceps injury, right? Yeah. You okay. Know, and, and it sounds like it could be from maybe some... Uh-huh. Um, but and the article's really good. There's like five questions. Uh, Eddie, he, Eddie is just really sincere in all his answers. Really good information. A uh, shout out to East Village Times for that. Um, so that's good. You know, and that, I wanted to give the fans, if they don't get a chance to read that, that Morahone is okay. He's fine. You probably won't see him pitch again this year. Well, well it sounds like we'll, we might see him in the Arizona Fall League. So let him rehab a little bit, and then he'll be there playing for the Peoria Javelinas. And alongside with Tatis, because Tatis's injury, his thumb should be healed by then. You think they'll have him go back again? Yeah. Hmm. Just to get the reps, just to get the yeah, time. I guess so. To build up the strength. You know, go back, play play baseball for a month, and then come into spring training, breathing, to, breathing fire. Ready to go. So this last Sunday, Nick Margovich has pitched six solid innings. He had a pair of unearned runs, walking just one with six strikeouts. And here's kind of the weird stat. And, and this is going with Reggie Lawson. With Nick Magavicius. Um, at the Diamond, they are pitching great. So his numbers, Nick's numbers, he has a 4 0 record with a 0.72 ERA and four starts at the Diamond. His ERA on the road in five outings, four starts, is 9.78. So I've heard that the Diamond is by far the most pitcher friendly park yeah. in all of the Cal League. Yeah. Some of the other, like especially Lancaster, but mo- yeah. a lot of the other parks are effectively launch pads. Right. At the Cucamonga. Um, Modesto, all these dry middle of the state, well, not Red Cucamonga, but you know, Lancaster, and they are just dust bowls. Well, and you've got a fairly large playing field yeah. in Lake Elsinore. You've got that huge wall in right, and I'm, maybe there's something to the batter's eye that it's harder harder for hitters to pick up the pitches coming out of the hand. I don't remember even what the batter's eye looks like, but I've, I've heard players talk about that, how going from one park to the next, just the, the different backdrop that they have gives them a different ability to pick the pitch up out of the hand. Yeah, I, I found that quickly in my league. There's some parks I can see beach balls, and other parks like I can't pick it up. It's like a camouflage baseball. Mm. It all has to do with the backdrop of, of where the pitch is throwing. Um, so, and I think Reggie Lawson has some of the same numbers as, as Nick has. The home and the road splits are totally different, and that's fun, you know, and that's... And that's just pitching in, in the Cali League. Yeah, well, you're talking about a 22-year-old who's having a great season. Yeah, love Nick. Um, moving on to last Wednesday, uh, Ronald Bolano, last Wednesday, Ronald Bolanos had six innings pitched, seven hits, five earned runs, three baseball balls, and five Ks. He has since bounced back from that. I don't have it on here, I don't think. But he has since bounced back from that start. He's been up and down all year. Yeah. Jorge Ona is hitting 263, 404, and 553 with more home runs than walks than any previous month. So this last month, he kind of maybe putting it together a little bit. It sounds like there's been a lot of injuries going on. He took that weird foul, the the fly ball off the foul pole to the face. I mean, that's one of the most unusual baseball injuries I've ever heard of. But it's been a it's been a rough year for him. And it, people are starting to sour on him. A little bit. They signed him for a bunch of money out of Cuba. He was supposed to be this guy to come in and hit for power. Strong-armed, corner outfield guys. Now people are saying he's left field only. People are questioning his ability to hit. Who knows? You know, again, single A. You can't put too much weight into it. But, right, but, you, but there are some bright spots. And he crushed. Mm-hmm. A home run off a of rehabbing starter, Dodger starter, Julio Urias. 
I um, hear I hear Urias just doesn't have it anymore. So he's rehabbing. So who knows how long it right. takes? But the velocity, he's like he's hardly hitting low nineties. Oh, he used to be mid nineties. Yeah. And and I, say what you I I as a Padre fan, I hate the Dodgers. Sorry to be so mean, but that's just I I, I hate the Dodgers. But I still don't want to see players, young players, have have that happen to them. No. You know you want to see these young players come up. And, and rehab and get better and, and, and move on. He was so supposed to be one of the best pitching prospects in all of baseball. Absolutely. And, and I also wonder, when you lose the velocity, you also lose the life on, on your pitch. You know, that couple inches of movement you get on a fastball isn't there anymore. So not only is the pitch slower, but it's straighter. And now guys like Onya are putting it up on a tee. Exactly. You know, and so moving on to that last Wednesday, you know, with, with Buddy Reed's movement up to double-A, it's really brought in some opportunity for Nate Easley, who's, who that last Wednesday doubled and singled twice as a part of a three-hit night. Easley's hitting 306, 306, 471. You know who else is hitting well since Buddy Reed took off is uh, Edward Olivares. Is he? Yeah, yeah, he's been hitting real well since then. Yeah, you don't have him on the list on the on our sheet here. Oh, for shame. So this is the first time that um, that Roy's been able to edit the agenda. I, I built the agenda. <laughs> it's been a while. Like a couple of days before like, I start on Tuesday, and anything I grabbed during the week, and I just kind of edit, 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 and then a couple things showed up that I didn't. I'm like, did I put that in there? Why does that look so clean? Mm-hmm. And then when I got here today, Roy's like, oh yeah, so I got it. I moved kind of stuff, and I did. It. I'm like, oh. Because I thought maybe I was sleepwalking and it made it all pretty. And then he undid it all and made then it all I, ugly again. Trying to, well, then I get Roy in my head like, we don't want to have so much stuff that we go over an hour, which we are now at the 58-minute mark. We are at Fort Wayne. Yep. So moving on to Fort Wayne, uh, Thursday, 8-16, Osvaldo Hernandez won his 11th game of the year. He walked three, allowed just one earned run in five minutes. His one .81 ERA still leads the Midwest in DL. Wah, wah, wah. That's fine. But your boy left-handed p- relief pitcher Dan Dallas. Yeah. Dan, yeah. Made his Fort Wayne debut and struck out three batters and two hit. He has 48 punch-outs in 28 and two-thirds innings with Tri-City and Fort Wayne. Killing it. Once again, another bullpen, strictly bullpen guy. Yeah. Um, he thinks he he can he can start. He was All of these guys were starters in high yeah, school. Yeah. As a kid, that's you're you're a pitcher, you're a shortstop, you know, you move around the diamond a little bit, you do everything, and then you become you're drafted and you're one guy. You're this. Um, and if da- if Dan needed to work through a, a lineup once or twice, because he's been going multiple innings. Yeah. It's not like he's just coming in for one inning right. and throwing fire. He's going through a lineup. But anyway, it's great to see him doing so well after he didn't even get out of the Arizona League last year. Yeah, absolutely. So Jack Zawinski is hitting 385, 443, and, and with a 1.135. Um, four doubles and four homers in August. Nice to see him bring it or bring it. Yeah, but I I miss Robbie Pedori. Yeah, he's hurt. Yeah, he's got he was having back spasms. So Jack Zawinski's picking up. Jack Zawinski's another pretty speedy guy. We saw him in Lake Elsinore earlier this year. Uh, but since being promoted from Tri-Cities, both Owen Miller and Olivier Bazaby are hitting 300 or better in the Owen Miller. I mean, they'll probably keep those two together because it's short and second. Mm-hmm. But Owen Miller is a beast. Well, and Grant Little's doing a good job, too, out of that same class. Yes, absolutely. So last Friday, um, you know, I saw this tweet from, uh, a quoted tweet from Baseball Press Perspectives um, on Tom Cosgrove's, don't count him out. Mid-90s fastball. Does well. I almost I almost tweeted it and put it out on the on the agenda, but I couldn't. Um, moving on, real quick. Five innings pitch, one earned run, three hits, three walks, and eleven strikeouts. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yes. 
mid-90s working in the Midwest League mm-hmm. for a K-9 rate for 9.6. Saturday start, Luis Patino didn't give up an earned run for the seventh time in the starts. In fact, in 13 of his 16 starts, the Colombian has allowed one earned run or less. And Fuego. And Fuego. <laughs> um, he has 23 walks and 77 in the third innings, but he also has 91 strikeouts. Consistently throws in the mid-90s, is only 18, has surrendered one home run in over 76 in the third inning. Opponents are hitting 233. Not too bad for an 18-year-old, you know. <laughs> not too bad. Owen Miller, that last Saturday, went 4 for 5 with a double. And 255 plate appearances this year between Tri-City and Fort Wayne. He's hitting 339, 394 with a 440 slash line. Now, I read a, a minor league baseball, you know, MILB article mm-hmm. that called him our third best pick. Yeah, Jim Callis does a really good job for MILB. So, and, and he was just drafted this year. Came out, he came out of, did he come out of Texas Tech? Or am I thinking of Grant Little? Yeah, Grant Little. But guys coming out of the draft, hitting the ground running, and it takes a little bit of time for people to start rising onto a prospect list, especially with the depth that the Padres have. Yeah. But when you put together that kind of a performance, you move up a level and you just keep on hitting while also providing, he's a shortstop. And nobody seems to be questioning his ability at shortstop. Yeah, he's yeah. Yeah, we, we're used to having these Dominican, these Latin American players that come in and they can Either Gabriel Arias type flash bat. No, yeah, but he's he's got it both. He is the Forrest Gump of minor leagues right now. He just I hit the ball and I just keep hitting the ball and I I keep <laughs> and the ball. I kept running. <laughs> I just kept running. <laughs> um, I, it was interesting that they called oh, him number thirty and, prospect and Owen Miller and Olivier Basabe. Are like peas and carrots. Uh, they're like peas and carrots, MR. <laughs> um, Gabriel Ares has a 21 game hitting streak. Uh, since July 19th, he has posted a slash line of 288, 400, and 438 with six doubles, two home runs, and 13 RBIs. Now remember, folks, he's 19? Yeah. Might be 19. Mm-hmm. Might be 19. And he's the electric defender, and is the bat going to catch up? Yes. And now the bat's starting to show. Bat's starting to show. If it's the real deal, if it continues this month, uh, let's hope it, it starts in, I'm sure he's going to go back to the Australian League. I, uh, you know, in my Jones for baseball, I, I supplied, I, I, I watched the Australian Baseball League, who their games usually start right around 9 p.m. Back then I was going to bed around 9.30, mm-hmm. but I was able to watch several games and watch him. Uh, and uh, Him and Jared Dale and, and Jared Buddy Dale. Reed. Yeah, Buddy yeah. Reed and all those guys. And it was just, they're like, and they just loved him. They just loved that kid. And he had a couple, uh, he had a, a two home run game, um, just flashed the leather. And that's, for me, that's when he got on the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on, I just moved my page away. This going to the Tri-Cities. Um, looks like the other uh, podcast is done finishing. We have about 10 minutes left here. Tucupita Marcano. Tucupita Marcano had three hits and also connected for his first professional home run. Whoop! Marcano is hitting 382, 405 with a 529 slash line with just two strikeouts and 35 plate appearances. Now that's, I know it's 35 plate appearances, but that's, he, he was hitting in the Arizona League. Mm-hmm. Um, left-handed pitcher Omar Cruz threw four shutout innings in tri He has a .42 ERA and five starts for tri although he's walked nine batters in the last seven and two-thirds innings. Well, he's walking batters, but he's not letting them score. score right. So, you know, not, and he's 18. From Mexico, I, I believe. Yeah. Started the year in this in the Arizona Summer League. Had a couple of good starts. Moved right on up. I pushed these guys. You know, moving on real quick. Uh, Xavier Edwards, 19, had his third straight two-hit game. In 10 games in the Northwest League, he has a slash line of 273, 442, and 333 with six stolen bases to step. 
ahead. So Phil Hughes was released by the Padres, and people were pointing to Grant Little because he was the one that was taken in the draft pick that the Padres got That's for him. Fine. But what they really did was they took the money that came with that draft pool slot and they used that to sign Xavier Edward. Interesting. Well, then earlier in this week, later last week, was it last week? That he was released? He tweeted, good luck, Grant Little. Yeah. Just, yeah. And, and I didn't, I didn't, God, I didn't make the connection until just now. I'm like, uh-huh. oh yeah, that's why we got him. Was what's so cool is that is to have a, you know have a major leaguer tweeting like, hey, good luck. It, Phil Hughes has taken the whole thing in stride, and you you, you got to feel for the guy. He's been designated for assignment twice in the same year. Yeah. He's got to be looking at his career, going, well, what the heck do I do now? Because now yeah. he's on the soup line looking for work. Granted, he's going to get paid. He's yeah. getting paid like twelve million dollars next year. Yeah. He's not hurting, right. but. The professional, the pride, you want you want to be gainfully employed and successful and good at what you do. So it's a bitter pill to swallow, but he's taking it all in good humor. He was wonderful with the people while he was here, and now he's... <laughs> well, he's just showing his true Twitter keenness by yeah. giving a shout out to the guy that basically he was trading for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of trades for, we're moving on to last Monday... This has nothing to do with the trade, but Adrian Martinez notched a career-high 10 strikeouts, scattering seven hits over six innings. New kid on the block, kids. Mm-hmm. Adrian Martinez allowed a pair of earned runs. Center fielder Grant Little had a pair of singles and scored a run on Monday night. That concludes Tri-Cities. Shout out to Tri-Cities. Love you guys. Um, Did you see that they had games canceled because of air quality? Yeah. Because of all the fires up there? Yeah. I've never heard of a game being canceled because of poor air quality. That's that's just. I, well, and, and earlier last week, you also saw, um, you know, like Elsinore collecting donations for for firefighters. Yes, and, and that I'm was amazing. Sure they were pushing so hard for all of that. They did a great job. Yeah, and and here and what made me think of any time that happens, there's anything that ever I could ever put money towards or anything like that, especially for a minor league affiliate. I'm going to put it in the name of, of Friarsland. I don't okay. know why I needed to say that, but I thought about that. You know, if I put 10 bucks here, mm-hmm. it's going to be Friars on the Farm. It's not going to be from Donovan. Mm-hmm. It's going to be from the podcast. Um, because we care about the at Friars on the Farm. But let us get through this, and we'll let you guys go. We appreciate you hanging on here so <laughs> long. Um, another another solid pitcher, Ephraim Contreras. Five innings pitched, one hit, one base on balls, five Ks. The 18-year-old righty has a 39-8 slash strikeout to walk ratio in 38 innings since he came stateside for a quick run through the... It's incredibly hard to get out of the consumer league. You have to be... There's... The level of play in the Dominican is um, is akin to, like, high school. Really? Um, that's what Kevin Cherry said a couple, uh, you know, a couple of episodes back, um, where it's just... I mean, the guys are so... They, they sign these guys for just for depth and it rises that rises. But the uh, fundamentals aren't there and probably even a lot of the understanding of the mechanics of baseball. I mean, yeah. used to playing on a dirt lot or in these developmental academies, yeah. but learning how to do things the right way, I could see how that's a, a challenge. Absolutely. So uh, this last Thursday, DH Nick Gatewood, another name to be out uh, looking out for, went four for five with two runs in RBI to raise his average in the Arizona 285. Solid. So solid. Wouldn't be surprised to see him and try to see Maybe. Maybe. That's my high-pitched potential voice. Um, outfielder Augustin Ruiz had a perfect night at the plate, going three for three with a double, two triples, and a pair of walks. Wow. That is a good night. Uh, has been solid in a second stint in the AZL, hitting 272, 370, and 430. I wonder if maybe he was hurt some last year. Could, could have been. Left-handed pitcher Joey Cantillo 
threw six shutout innings and allowed just one hit without a walk. Cantillo was not allowed to run in his last three starts, spanning 15. Now, you don't, you always say you don't stat, you don't scout the stat line. And these are very small numbers, you know, 15 innings. Um, but you want to see those are there. You want to see these guys do well with the limited time. That um, overall, the former 16th rounder has a 1.7 ERA in 42 innings. That's very respectable. He only made seven seven appearances in the AZL last year. So we must have just got him. And, you know, a lot of times when we get guys in, in, in the complex, they just throw side, they just throw bullpens. They want to build up arm strength. They want well, to he's only 18. Um, rounding out Friday, so after struggling in Tri-City as a starter, Mason House has an OPS of 892 <clears throat> and hit his third homer in 19 AZL games. West Texas kid. That's the West Texas. Yeah, and he didn't he didn't face high, you know, good competition in high school. So a bit of a project, but he's got the body and the tools for it. It's a matter of adjusting the speed of the game. Absolutely. It takes time. So after posting a 1.092 OPS during the month of July, Sean Gilby is hitting 098, 383, 098. That's a weird slash line. Listen to this. His 17 walks this month have helped offset the 40% strikeout. So... So two, he has two true outcomes. He either walks or he strikes out. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Woof. Um, that's fine. He was, you know, he was drafted this year. Excuse me. And to finish out that um, that that Friday, Augusta Ruiz, the 18-year-old out of Tabasco, Mexico. I love that we have players. I love that we have. If these guys make their way up to the organization, then we have some marketable players. I didn't even know that there was a town called Tabasco. Is that where Tabasco comes from? I'm not sure. No, I think Tabasco is made in Louisiana, but... By folks who know what salsa should taste like? No. <laughs> That's paste to count salsa. Anyways, Ruiz is hitting 316, 393, and 469 in 28 games. Um, so what I see here in the AZL, and what you're going to hear here, guys, this is Tri-Cities next year's roster. This is uh, Fort Wayne's add, you know, add a player here, add a player there roster. Everyone in the AZL, all these guys we're talking about, are probably going to be an affiliate ball next season. Um, so when we pick out of the AZL, uh, we pick out of the, the cream of the crop. And, you know, a lot of this, most of this content is coming from the dailies from Mad Friars. You know what this kind of reminds me of is your fresh, your like first year of college when you're in your, your program for your major and you're in that class that's enormous and it's a hard class and it's the one that's going to weed people out. You're so that's kind of what it is. There's two there's two summer Arizona yeah. Summer League teams. There's only one team in Tri-Cities. I finally learned the the answer today that there are 30 teams assigned at each level. And sometimes you'll see two affiliates belonging to one organization. So like the Yankees might have two advanced single A but that's because another organization opted not to field a, a team in that at that level. But below single A, they can do whatever they want. And so that's why the Padres just set up a second summer league team a couple years ago because they had all these players coming in. But they've all got to funnel through and make it to that next level. So that there's so much thinning of the herd. Right. And then this year, they signed so many drafted players. They still went out and brought in a bunch of international guys. Even though they're all under 300K, but there's a lot of good players in there. Well, and, and interesting you should say that because not all teams have rookie teams. Like, there's a lot of rookie ball, but there's not a lot of, and not, like, we don't have rookie ball. We don't have a rookie ball affiliate like the Billings Mustang, and that's the um, the Pioneer League, I believe. Um, that's all rookie ball. We have short season, which isn't technically, it's technically rookie ball, but we it's called short season. I don't know if the wording is different or whatnot. Maybe next we'll go through all the Philly or all the levels of 
That's what we can do. We course. need to have a like a glossary podcast where yes. we talk about the different terms that we use and kind of how some of these things work. Absolutely. Because it took me a long time to start to get comfortable with like the transaction terms. What does it mean when somebody's designated for assignment? What What's the difference yeah. between when somebody's been optioned and when they've been um, you know assigned? The contract or the contract, yeah, the contract is selected right. or they've been recalled. What's the difference? And that's funny because I mean baseball. In other sports, it's not like that. It's like we released them. Mm-hmm. There's no D squad. You know, there are D squads, but there's absolutely there's there's so many intricacies to baseball because it's so hard to get to the major league level. You know, and I heard this: you get drafted in in baseball, you may not ever, you may not ever leave the complex, you may not ever leave Double A, you may not even sniff them. And yet you've played eight. How many every years they'll keep organizations to be around in football, in basketball, in hockey. Yeah, there are other minor, there are D league leagues, but primarily those you get drafted, you can be an impact player in, yep. in football. Um, and in, if you don't, you wash out real quick. Real quick, you know. And still, those guys in the football, they're making good money being on the practice. Uh, but let's just finish out this last Sunday, and I wanted, and we'll let you guys go. I really appreciate you guys sticking around, uh, listening to all this stuff. But um, last Sunday, um, Jackie's Williams set a new career high with four hits, including a triple, raising his average thirty points to two seventy. Am I saying it's Jack, Jackie? I, I I would think it's ja- Jacques. Jacques? Jacques? Maybe it's like Jacques. You remember her from the Jacques. 90s? <laughs> I'm sure he is not French. Uh, they are no French baseball players. Um, but he's a, he's a big boy. I think he's like 6'4". And then once again last Sunday, a DH, a Nick Greatwood, had his second four-hit game of the week. The catcher's DH mostly in the AZL, but he raised his average to 298. Maybe he's dealing with some health thing, yeah. like like last year, Blake Hunt. He was hurt, so he, I think he was DHing a lot. They didn't have him behind the plate a whole lot. Yeah. Well, there it is. Woo! Welcome back. Thank you so yeah. much for being back. And, oh and, and man, thank you. It's, I'm 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 sporadic. <laughs> I'll be here this week and next, but then after the after next week, I'm I'm getting I'm getting married. If you hadn't heard, he all my rowdy friends are settling down. So I'm working on getting ourselves a guest host. Yes, uh, and that's gonna be someone special. So we're gonna how that flies out. And okay. It, it should it should weed out. I won't name it here. Maybe we'll name it next week, but I, I have them confirmed, cool. or at least uh, at least tentatively confirmed, uh, to be my co-host uh, to fill not fill in your shoes, but just pinch hit. Okay, oh, yeah, pinch hitter. I'm calling someone up from the minors <laughs> to come to the minor league podcast, mm-hmm. and you can reach me SD Donovan. That's S D D O N A V A N two D's. And I just spelled my name wrong. <laughs> I don't know. D O N A V A N S D Donovan. Are you sure? Pretty sure. All right, well, my name is Roy, and I'm on Twitter at Zippy underscore TMS. I'm not going to spell that out for you. <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory. Thank you very much. Have a great day, and go Padres.